0: Today we conclude our series called I Am. Looking at the I Am statements of Jesus, where Jesus made some very distinct statements where He said, I am, and then those statements guide and affect our lives. For instance, we talked about it three weeks ago, which was on Easter Sunday. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall never perish, but have everlasting life. Talked about how when you believe that, when you understand that, when you embrace that, you're embracing the fact that Jesus is the one who brings hope to life. And when we understand the I am statement of that, that statement, that I am resurrection life, that gives us hope. Then two weeks ago, we talked about, I am the good shepherd, and we learned that in in this idea of him being the good shepherd, he is our protector, he is our guide, he is the one who watches over us. Then last week, Lane preached on, I am the light of the world, and the main concept there is that he gives second chances, that sometimes we're in darkness, sometimes we're in darkness because of our sin, and sometimes we're in darkness because of circumstances, but when you understand and you allow Christ to light your life, then you get a second chance in life and sometimes a third and a fourth and a fifth, but He is the light of life. Today's I Am statement. When you embrace it, and you understand it, and you live it, it's what brings strength for life. It's what gives us the way to produce fruit in life. It's where we get our energy for living, to be be an effective followers of Christ. This could be I think one of the most important I am statements for the Christ follower. And you say, why for the Christ follower? Because if you're not a Christ follower yet, and you're still kind of investigating and not sure about the things of Jesus, then you need to come to the place of believing I am the resurrection and the life. And once you believe that, then this statement that we're going to deal with today tells you how to live out the belief of the statement that I believe that Jesus is Christ, the Son, of the living God. Turn your Bibles to John 15. I want us to look at this entire text, John 15, the first 17 verses, so we get the whole context of what was going on, and then we're going to try to pull some nuggets out of it. There's so much in this text right here, I think I could create a whole sermon series around it. We won't do that right now, but let's read this, and then let me draw some principles out of it for how we live in this in this setting that he talks about. John 15, starting in verse 1, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit fruit by itself, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in My name. This is My command. Love each other. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Jesus gave some very, very direct wisdom to His original disciples. Wisdom about how how to be fruitful in life. About how to be effective kingdom Christ followers. And God, today these words even ring true to us some 2,000 years later. And so, Father, we just ask for your wisdom here right now. We ask, Lord, that you would speak to every heart and every mind, to every person. Lord, nobody is here today by accident. Lord, you have nudged us, you have prodded us, you have guided us to this place for this time, for this day, to hear these words. And so I pray, Lord, that your spirit will... Use this time of preaching to guide our hearts, to guide our minds, to to bring us in a full and closer relationship with you. It's in the name of Jesus I pray, amen. Let's dig in a little closer. Look at verse 5 with me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me you can do nothing. Now, the important part is to understand some of the context of what is going on here in this Scripture. Jesus is having a conversation, and He's sharing these words with His disciples, the twelve. And He's telling them, here's how you live. Here's what I need you to do. You need to stay connected to the vine. But the setting is this. you got to go back and understand, John 13, chapter 13, is the Last Supper. And John 18 is when Jesus is arrested. So this is squeezed in between the Last Supper. And just to recall the Last Supper, remember they're gathered around the table and they're sharing and they're eating and Jesus is conversating. In the middle of that Last Supper, He takes wine and He takes the bread and He reminds them and says, whenever you eat this, remember me. Whenever you drink this, remember my blood shed for you. And He's reminding them that I'm going to go and I'm going to die. And so they're having a last meal and He's speaking wisdom in their life. Going, I'm getting ready to hand this off to you. You guys have been walking with me. I've been teaching you. I've been showing you how to do ministry. But the time is coming. And so in that conversation, he's getting ready to hand it off. And then you jump to John chapter 18, and Jesus is arrested, falsely accused, beaten, taken to the cross, and gives up his life. And so right in the middle, this Last Supper, and and, and Jesus is being arrested, is this conversation about Jesus saying to His disciples, I am the vine. Stay connected to me. Stay close to me. And without me, without staying connected, you're not going to do anything. Now, if you've been around death at all, maybe you've experienced someone who's had a battle with cancer or some kind of sickness, or maybe you experienced a, a grandparent who you knew was coming into life and they knew it. Some of the most treasured words are spoken in the latter days of life. Some of the absolute most important things are spoken because the barriers are broken down, the, the hearts are, are open, and people feel like, well, I've got to speak what's on my mind i got to share my last bit of wisdom with you, grandson. i got to share my last bit of wisdom with you, son or daughter, because my time is coming. And when I depart from this life, I want to make sure I've got it all out there. Sometimes that's when apologies happen. I'm sorry, I messed up. I didn't mean to treat you this way. And and, and please forgive me. And, and consciences are cleared. And sometimes it's a thing of wisdom. I, I want you to know. I want you to do. I want you to embrace. I want you to think like this. Because in the last moments, people speak their most important words. And that's why I say this I am statement is quite possibly one of the most important for us to investigate. Because this is just before Jesus is arrested. It's like, here's my last words. I know I'm going to be down on that cross. and so I've got to tell you some last bits of wisdom. And what does he tell us to do? He says, I want you to stay connected. Why is this important? Why is it important for the disciples and why is it important for us to understand the importance of this connection? Well, I think because there's two types of vines. There's a true vine and a false vine. Look at verse verse 1. I am the true vine and my Father is the gardener. If Jesus is speaking... I'm the true vine. He's warning his disciples that basically there are other vines out there. There are others who are going to try to trick you and try to pose as the true vine or as the real vine. And he's saying, I'm the true vine. I'm the one I want you to stay connected to. And he's basically warning them, look out for the false vines. Remember John 10.10, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus is warning them in this. I'm the true vine. There's some false vines that are going to pose as great things to be connected to. But you'll die. Think about it for a moment. What are you connected to? What is the vine that you're connected to? Success? Success? For some of us, man, we're chasing after that success. Man, i got to get the next promotion. i got to get the next degree. i got to get the next title behind my name. And we're putting in all the hours and all the time and all the effort so that I can climb up the ladder of success. And when I reach the top of the ladder, wherever that is, when you reach it, you know, let us all know. Because what happens is when you reach this point, then you want to reach this point, and then you want to reach this point, and then you want to reach this point, and it never stops. We chase that vine. And, oh, yeah, if I stay connected to that. I could tell you, I've not ever visited someone in a hospital who's facing death. And they say, man, I am so glad I climbed that ladder of success. What they usually say is, man, I wish I would have spent more time with my family. I wish I'd been more involved in my church. I wish I would have. I'm telling you, that's a success-chasing vine that is False, and that leads to a destruction of a person. What about social status? That's another one, another vine some of us are staying connected today in today's culture, especially in the culture of social media. We think, oh my goodness, I have a whole bunch of friends because they're following me on Facebook. And I have a whole bunch of friends because now they're following me on Twitter, or they're looking at my Instagram. It's kind of weird. You ever put a post on Facebook? Some of you are going, I don't engage with Facebook at all. so it doesn't make sense. But for those of you who do, you understand. You put a post on Facebook. How many times are you are going back to that going, okay, who commented? Did they make any comments? Who liked it? Oh, boy, I got 10 likes. Can I get 11 likes? Oh, I'm at 15 likes. I can get to 20 likes. You know what? You know what I think Facebook did, I think, is just ridiculous? Brian's own personal opinion. It used to be just a thumbs up. Now, you know, you can hold it down and you can choose like a smiley face or a heart or whatever it is. And now people are like, oh my goodness, I got 14 hearts and and 16 smiley faces and and 21 thumbs up and get excited about the polls because you're thinking, this is life. There are studies out there about how mentally messed up people are because they're connected to social media. What kind of vine are you chasing? Achievements, things that don't produce fruit, Jesus was warning them, stay connected to me and nothing else. Don't let anything else get in the way. It's very important to stay connected because if you don't stay connected, what happens? I asked my son today, I said, Caleb, will you help me out? What's that? I said, well, bring some junkie shoes to church and when we're here early, you can go on a little hunt. I said, find me some branches. What can you do with this? Seriously, what can you do with this? Someone said that first hour, you're good, Mike. You could roast marshmallows as long as it doesn't catch on fire. What else can you do with this? What'd you say? You can decorate. There's a there's a there's someone who watches HD TV. Uh, what else can you do with it? You can burn it. Will this thing ever grow a leaf? Will it ever grow a piece of fruit? Absolutely not. Why? Because it's not connected any longer. And if you need some kindling, by all means, go to the back of the church property. There's a bunch. You'll help us clean it up. The mowing people will love you that they won't run over this kind of stuff. But this laying on the ground, this is dead. It's absolutely dead. There's nothing you can really do with this. I mean, I can sit here and I can break it and we can get it all broken up and we can take this and say, okay, great, let's do something with this. The only thing this is good for is a throw in the fire. Some of us, that's how we're living our lives. We go off and do it all by ourselves. We get connected, disconnected from Jesus. And then we wonder, why am I stressed out? Why am I overwhelmed? Why is life falling apart? It's because we become disconnected. It's important for us to see the two reasons of staying connected. Number one is staying connected produces fruit. Look at verse 5 again. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me... And I and you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. What kind of fruit? He says much fruit. But what is that? He doesn't get a description. Now remember, he's talking to his disciples. He tells them, when you stay connected to me, there will be a lot of fruit to produce. Well, I think one thing we can understand is from Galatians 5, where it says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That is some fruit. Anybody in here say, you know what, I'd like to have a little bit more love in my life. I'd like to have a little bit more kindness. I'd like to be a little bit more patient. I'd like to have a little bit more goodness or, or more self-control. Well, that is some fruit that comes from being connected to the vine. I'd like to have more patience with my kids. That comes when you stay connected to the vine. I'd like to be a little bit more loving towards people. Well, that comes when you stay connected To the vine, I'd like to have a little bit more self-control in what I'm watching, or maybe what I'm eating, or what I'm doing, or in my thought life. That comes as you stay connected to the vine. But I also think, and when Jesus is saying, "You will produce much fruit," I think He's also talking about being a kingdom worker. He's talking here in a mindset uh, with His disciples, and He's telling His disciples, "Listen, I'm going to be leaving." And this ministry is being handed over to you and you will produce much fruit, which means you're going to be kingdom workers pointing people towards Jesus, pointing people towards the resurrection. He says, you'll have results as long as you stay connected to me. And I think one great example of that is Acts chapter 2. The day of Pentecost. That's when Peter preached and 3,000 people came to the Lord and were saved and were baptized that day. You look at that account and, and I wonder... When you look at that account, do you see Jesus or not Jesus? But you see Peter preaching, and Peter gets up and preaches. And was he such a great orator and such a great speaker that he had never met these people, and he just gets up and preaches? And people like, "Oh my goodness, Peter, you're wonderful. We need Jesus. Let's do it." I don't think that's what happened. The twelve disciples were amongst the town. They were interacting with people. They're staying connected with Jesus and they're learning how to live out love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control. And as they lived that amongst people, then people were willing to hear the Word of God. They were ready. Their hearts were ready to hear the Word of God. And so when Peter preached, they also lived that example. They said, we've got to respond. We need this Jesus. And that's why they repented and came in droves of 3,000 plus people. You want more? You want more joy in your life? You want more patience with your wife or with your husband? You want more love in your life? You, you want to see some ministry fruit come in your life, and you're like, I, I'm going to plug in some ministry. Maybe I'm going to be the missionary. Maybe I'm going to be the preacher. Maybe I'm going to be the church planner. Maybe I'm going to be the one down to starting a homeless kitchen. Maybe I'm going to be the one doing this in my school system and impacting people's lives. It comes as you stay connected to the vine. So Jesus says, connected. That's where fruit. Now, number two, being disconnected produces nothing. Look at the verse again. Verse 5 and 6. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I remain in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do what? Say it again. Apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. That's zero. That's zilch. Apart from me, we are powerless. Apart from me, we have no strength. Apart from Him... We're going to do nothing. And if you stop and wonder, why am I so stressed out? Why do I lack in love? Why is there no joy in my life? Why am I not able to do? Why is ministry not flowing through me? Why is da-da-da-da-da, you fill in the blank? Could it be because you're not connected to the vine? Could it be because you've been living a life that has been separated from God and you're trying to do it all on your own? And you as a branch are just kind of withering away. Because Jesus told His disciples, and those words are communicated to, me, to, to us, apart from me, you do nothing. Apart from me, there is no growth. Apart from me, there is no fruit. Apart from me, there is no production in your life. Apart from me, it's a life of stress and torment and a destroyer named Satan who's coming to kill, steal, and destroy. So how do we do this? How do we stay connected to the divine so that there's fruit production in our life? Jesus goes on and explains that. I mean, obviously, you could go through study and go, Well, I, I need to be a person of prayer. I need to be in the Word. I need to have a church family, Maybe have a place for studying the Bible with some people. There's a lot of things we could go through and, and go to other texts and look at them. But just within this one text, look at what Jesus says in John 15:10. He's basically saying, Do what I say. He says, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. What that means is if you do what I'm telling you to do, our relationship's going to be strong and great. You remain in my love. Things are going to be wonderful. You keep my commands. The challenge is, are we willing to do what God is telling us to do? When we read the Scriptures and it very clearly tells us, do this and we do the opposite. It's kind of like this. Francis Chan shared this story one time. I thought it really made a lot of sense. Me as a dad, or or you all have kids, you understand this. You tell your children, hey, I want you to go upstairs and clean your room. And and let me just pick on Lily Grace for a moment. She's not in here. So I tell Lily Grace, Lily Grace, I want you to go upstairs and clean your room. And if she goes upstairs and she's dilly-dallying around for 30, 40 minutes, usually I'm like, what is going on? I'll go to her room. Lily, what are you doing? Are you cleaning your room? Well, Dad. Now, I went up here to clean my room, but I really started thinking about what does the word clean mean and what does the word room mean, so I started studying the word clean and the word room. I haven't come to a conclusion what that exactly means yet, but even though you told me clean your room, I'm trying to figure out what clean your room means. Lily, that means clean your room. Well, hold on a minute, Dad. I want to get together with some of my friends. And my friends and I are going to study the topic of cleaning a room. And after we study the topic of cleaning the room, I'll come back and tell you what my understanding of that is and see if I'm really going to do it. No, Lily, Lily, Lily. Clean your room. But, Dad, there is a youth conference going on. And a youth conference is all about cleaning your room. And, Dad, can you send me to the youth conference so that I'll learn how to clean my room? And I'm sure they'll teach me how to do that. And Lily, I just want you to clean your room. You understand where we're going with this? That's what we do sometimes in God's kingdom. Well, God, I know your word says. Let me go to church this Sunday. Let me see what else it says. Well, God, I know your word says, but i got to go to a small group and, and let, let us go talk about this in my small group, and we'll talk about it for a while, but I don't know if I want to do it. Oh, but, but well, hold a minute, God. I understand you said the word clean and the word room, but i got to go study those words, and let me go do a word study, and let me get on my internet, let me pull up all my tools that I can. I'll study the word clean the word room. I'll look at it in the Greek and the Hebrew and, and Arabic and, and everybody else, and oh, and I'll get out my commentaries, and I'll study all that kind of stuff, and I'll talk to my grandma and my grandpa and all. My friends and uncles and aunts and snakes and pets and everybody else about what it means to clean a room. And God is going, would you just clean your room? We are just as guilty as the child who wants to ignore the parent's instructions. And then we wonder, why is my life so fruitless? Why, Why am I struggling through life? Why do I see no fruit from my life? Why am I not growing as a Christian? Because God is going, would you just clean your room? And he's waiting for an obedient heart that says, I'm willing to do it. Oh, we have excuses though. Oh, God, but my anger, I'm not going to change that because of so-and-so and so-and-so did this and this and this to me. Well, God, I know your word tells me not to lie, but God, I, I had to in that situation. You know, I, don't God seemed clean your room. Well, oh God, I know I, know I should, not, should not have sex outside of marriage and live together before marriage, but God, I had to because of this situation or that situation. And, and God saying, I just want you to clean your room. We come with all kinds of excuses of why we're not going to do what God wants us to do. And we can continue studying and talking to friends and talking to people. And God is just saying, if you keep my commands. What Jesus was telling His disciples, just do what I told you to do. In James it says it this way, do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. For some of us, we just need to have simple obedience. God's Word says, I'll put my faith in it, I'll do it. Secondly, Jesus instructs His disciples that we need to love like Jesus loves. John 15, 12, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Love each other as I have loved you. Now, when you read that text, you need to ask the question, well, how? How did Jesus love His disciples? And our mind goes to what Jesus said in verses 13 and 14 where he says, Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if if you do what I command. And so our mind goes to, and rightfully so because Jesus said it, he said, I loved you by laying down my life. I loved you by going to the cross for you. I loved you by being your ultimate sacrifice to cover your sin. But it goes further than that. Because most likely none of us are signing up and saying, put me on the cross. I'm ready to die exactly the same way Jesus did. You stop and think about it, and I was just pondering, well, in the relationship with Jesus and his disciples, how do we see them interacting in a way that Jesus is loving them? Simple things. They had meals together. In their meals, they fellowshiped and they shared life together. Simple things like walking along the street and just spending time together and stories that are shared and, and teaching that takes place. Or maybe not so simple things like when you remember in the upper room that Jesus put on the towel of servanthood and bent down and washed the disciples' feet. He became a slave to them because that was a slave's job. And Jesus put that on and washed their feet and said, "This is how I want you to live life. I want you to be a servant. Jesus modeled that for them by spending time with them. Just giving time was a demonstration of love. And He says, you are my friends if you do what I command. Giving love to somebody. Who is God calling you to this morning that needs a sacrificial love from you? Oh, it's easy to love the people that, we're close, that, that we love and that we're close to and we get along with, what about the work associate that's driving you nuts and crazy and you're like, I don't even want to see him tomorrow. But God's saying, that's a person for you to love. What about the spouse who right now the marriage is in friction and you're like, how do I love him or how do I love her? You know, this passage is illustrated also in Ephesians, Ephesians 5, where, Jesus, where we're instructed by Paul on the instructions about marriage. And he tells us, men, listen up. If you're a husband, and if you're not, and you think one day it's in the future, you need to hear this. The Scripture tells us in Ephesians that a husband must lay down his what? What does it say, husbands? Lay down his life for his wife just as Jesus did for the church. And then it goes on and says, ladies, wives, submit to your husbands. I understand today's culture, they go, I don't want to submit. I've never ran into a lady who says I would not submit to a husband who is truly laying down his life. They don't want to submit to a mean and demeaning and demanding husband. And so, guys, it starts with us laying down our lives just as Jesus did. That's a sacrificial love going, honey, what do you need? How can I love you today? How do you need my support? How do I help you? And, guys, when we do that, then our wives say, Hey, I want to be a team. I'm right with you. I'm right with you. But where do you need to demonstrate a love that is sacrificial love? Is it maybe in a relationship between you and your parents, even as adults? Our relationship with our parents, sometimes there can be friction. Is there a sacrificial love that needs to be demonstrated? Is there a sacrificial love that needs to be demonstrated amongst your work associates? Sacrificial love, maybe amongst the neighborhood that you live in or the neighbor that shares a fence line with you that they're driving you crazy because this is left out or your yard's not taken care of and you're like, I got to love them deeply and you got to demonstrate some sacrificial love. That's the command. Jesus, you are my friends if you do what I command. In other words, our relationship is healthy. Let me close with a few thoughts. Three conclusions or challenges. One is this. I think we see nothing happening area of fruit because our connection with Christ is weak. You're sitting here today and you're like, I don't see this fruit happen in my life. I would encourage you and challenge you to stop and go, where's my connection with Christ at? Because Jesus told us, you can do nothing if you're disconnected from Me. And if you don't see nothing growing in your life, you see nothing changing, then you have to stop and look, am I connected? Secondly, we lack obedience to God and His Word. We do. As a culture, as a nation, we lack obedience. This right here should be your guidebook for life. This right here, as you read it, as you study it, as you engage in it, you do not just read it and study it, but you read it and say, God, as I read it, if I'm supposed to do something, you let me know. And then we should go and do it. And that's where we see fruit being produced. Number three, we struggle to love sacrificially and lay down our lives for others. It's a struggle that every single one of us in this room deal with. I struggle with it. I want to live for me, myself, and I. That's what our culture teaches us. Our culture teaches us it's all about me. We've been raised with that mindset and that mentality, and so for us to love others with a sacrificial love and put somebody else before myself, that takes allowing the Spirit to work inside of me. That takes us staying connected to the vine. Now, this idea of staying connected to the vine, it all begins with us being connected to the vine. It all begins with us accepting the relationship that God offers to us and so I cannot preach this without clearly asking you: Are you connected to Jesus? Do you know Him as your Savior? Are you in a relationship with Him as your Savior? You so, well, how do I do that? Scripture is pretty clear. It says, "Put your faith in Christ." That means you you come to the point. You say, "I believe in Jesus. I accept Him." You repent of your sin. Repenting of your sin is saying, I, I've been wrong, and I want to do it your way. You confess Him as your Savior. You say, I believe in Jesus, and you tell some other people about that. And typically in the church, that means you stand up and you tell some other folks, that, hey, I believe in Jesus. I believe in His death, His burial, and the resurrection. And then just as Peter preached, when people said, well, what must I do to be saved? Peter replied and said, you need to repent and be baptized. And that's why we follow the example of immersion by baptism, because that's what they did in the early church. And for some of you in this room, you might be on that journey right now. You're going, I need to accept Jesus as my Savior. We're prepared to help you in that journey. You can do that one of two ways this morning as we get ready and we move to communion. You can walk in the back room and say, today's my day. We'll help you on that journey, help you make that decision, and help walk you right through that and, and help you cross that line of faith. Maybe you're going, oh, I need to know more. I'm trying to understand it. Then use your connection card and mark on the back of that. We'll follow up with you. We'll help you on that journey and, and teach you more Scripture, teach what the Bible says, what it means to walk in Jesus. We're going to move to our time of communion and time, this time of decision. Our communions are located today in the back of the room. There's four stations. As you partake in communion, I want to encourage you to stop and think and ask God, God, how's our connection going? Sometimes I think in today's world it would be like uh, my cell phone connection you have a strong signal? It's, well, I'm hearing from God. He's hearing from me. Or is it weak and crackly and kind of disconnected? Or are you kind of out in the sticks where there's no signal somewhere and you're just kind of wandering all by yourself? So as you partake in communion, spend some time thinking and confessing and repenting. And as you receive communion, to embrace His forgiveness. If you have a decision to make or you want to know, how do I follow Jesus? Then by all means... Go to the back of the room. I'll meet you back there and we'd love to help you on a journey with Jesus. Let's pray and then I invite you as you're ready to partake in communion. Heavenly Father, thank You for this morning. Thank You for these great words, Lord, that You have shared with Your disciples and passed on to us today how to walk in a relationship, how to walk connected to You. God, help us to do that. Help us, Lord, to, to be obedient to Your commands and to do them. And Lord help us to love people sacrificially the way you call us to be the way you call us to love others. Father today I pray specifically if there's someone in this room Lord that's not accepted you as savior would you move in their heart today that they'd be willing to get up and walk to the back of the room or use that connection card to begin that journey to know who you are as their savior. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.